Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast. This is your weekly dose of entertainment, energy, excitement, inspiration and motivation from some incredible guests that have joined us on the podcast and it's unfortunately mixing with some fairly average banter from Jack and I. So whether you're here for the banter or not, we're certainly going to be helping you. We cover all things health, fitness, training and calisthenics to help you explore your physical potential through bodyweight training and redefine your impossible. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Tim and Jacko. So welcome to another podcast session with Tim and Jacko. And this week we are joined by Rugby Royalty. That, Jacko, is an alliteration which I know you will give me extra points for. <laughs> yeah, I do love. I may be lost now. I love alliteration. I was going to try I, and find a third R, but I couldn't think of one. Well, I also like uh, World Cup winning rugby players and British Lion winners. Um, or, well, we've only got one of them on. But uh, Will Greenwood is on the podcast. And obviously, um, the fact that we are both used to play rugby and big fans of rugby with the Rugby World Cup uh, underway, we're excited to talk to him a little bit about rugby, but then getting stuck into um, his mindset of what it was to be um, a World Cup winner and how he has what's built that mindset and how is he applying that mindset to whatever everything else that he's doing now, including his training, uh, why he wants to learn how to do a handstand, which started with his expedition to the North Pole. Randomly. Being called a tent rhino. <laughs> You'll understand what about that's about later. Um, and yeah, and all things, uh, all things in and around that. Yeah, loads of this stuff in this. I think it's some really nice little takeaway messages for everybody. Um, and also, if you want to know what Will, Will's World Cup predictions are, Ooh. it's not too late to make a bet if you're a betting person. Um, but you, you will have to listen to the, to the end. end. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, gives yeah. He tells you who he thinks is going to win the World Cup. So Will's going to see if he's got his magic ball um, polished up. And by, well, I don't know, but by the time it's got to start the World Cup. Yeah, we're already underway. We're away. We pre A few days in. Pre-recorded. I've got. I've got. I take us down. I've got old Jacko. <laughs> Get right. us started. Let's go on the the on ramp. <laughs> this is World Cup winning England rugby player Will Greenwood on the School of Calisthenics podcast. So, rugby World Cup winner. The one and only Will Greenwood, the legend that is. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Well, you know, if I'm going full title, it's uh, Dr. Will Greenwood, MBA. Ah, oh, fair, fair, is, fair. That, is, that, is that a doctorship that you actually did or is that an honorary one that you got for being that's, a legend? That's a mean question to ask. All I know <laughs> is when I got my honorary doctorate, given to me by Bill Bryson in Durham Cathedral, Durham University, previous recipients had been people like Mo Molan and I was just looking at it going what am I doing <laughs> it's because you're a rugby legend and you win a World Cup <laughs> we, 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 it's interesting when we meet athletes that um, we've, we've trained a few and they get these honorary degrees and they're, all, they're all often in areas that they've got absolutely no expertise in whatsoever <laughs> like, law. Uh, and to the law and no I had no expertise in law but it was a, it was a great honour and it was sort of it was a cherry on the top of the cake it was my mum yeah, mum's mum said to me, This is my this is this is my proudest moment. I went, but this wouldn't have happened unless anyway, so I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well let's let's, let's um I didn't actually get this. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> 
<laughs> so for those that those that follow uh, the podcast will know me and Tim are both used to play rugby and uh, but just for anyone that isn't necessarily a massive rugby fan um, and there might be just the, the the old one person watching or listening that uh, just give us a bit of a, a an insight into why we are so excited to uh, speak to Will Greenwood on the podcast and a little bit of uh, just background on you and your, yeah, yeah. your career and, and why we are giving you such big hops on the podcast. Unaccustomed as I am to blow my own trumpet. Uh, <laughs> uh, Blackburn lad, dad was an England captain, dad was an England coach, grew up on a touchline, grew up in Italy on the pitch, on the side of the pitch at Stadio Flaminia where Italy used to play before they moved to the Olympic Stadium. Came back to Blackburn in 78, 79, went everywhere with my dad. In the old days now, when you're 13, 14, you're not allowed on the field with men because of health and safety. In the old days, you just ran around. Uh, I was this little skinny nuisance of a kid who'd either make a half break and score in the post or get banjoed and poleaxed because <laughs> the old blokes didn't like me. Uh, so I learned to box clever pretty quick for the skinny kid that I was. And uh, no great pretense about how good I was. Uh, just used to turn up, have some fun. I was, you know, after the first game of senior rugby was Preston Grass up his fourth team. Uh, I had four or five games there, moved into the third team. That's Division 4 North. You know, all these kids nowadays go into academies and you just, they just came through that at school. Mr. Bennett dropped me in the under. We lost 70 nil to Bradford Grammar, right? 70 nil. I was the fullback. The team selection went up the following week. He only dropped one person. He blamed the entire 70 points on the fullback missing tackles. I went, it was like eight on one. What was I supposed to do, Mr. Bennett? BT. That one hurts, doesn't it? Still there. Still there. Drops. So B team, C team. During university, when I first started there, I was in the third team for a season. The fly, I was a fly-off and the first 15 captain, Nick Cannon, uh, was fly-off. And the second 15 captain, Jim Kennedy, was a fly-off. They weren't going to let this skinny 18-year-old fresher suddenly move <laughs> into their slot. So, third team for you, Greenwood. Um, <laughs> so, I just ran around on the field, had a load of fun. And, um, and I didn't play for him until I was uh, 25. Nowadays, you're on the scrap heap by then. You're packed up if you haven't played for him. And then Clyde took it. McGeekin took a chance on me in the Lions. I went as an uncapped yeah. line in 97, and wittering on here. Um, but I, I suppose the whole point of it is I, I'm now back at Maidenhead, sort of gone full circle. I was never that fussed about what level I played. I just always wanted to win according to who I was playing with at that particular moment in time, and that's what sports always give me. So loved it, and I joined a pretty good team in 97 under Clive Woodward and uh, we had some shocking losses but found ourselves with 20 points to Australia's 17 in 2003 and people are still talking about us. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. We'll uh, we'll get into we'll, we'll sort of come full circle and come back to uh, sort of winning with the Lions in '97 and the the World Cup with England uh, in 2003 towards the end. Um, but it just it it sets the tone of. Um, you as an individual know how to win um, and you know what it takes to do something that um, has never been done before and seemingly um, impossible, like our catchphrase or tagline is redefine your impossible. Yeah. So we wanted to just first kick off with like, just get a, try to unpick um, your mindset a little bit of around um, what, when I you were hated training. Losing. hated yeah. losing more than <laughs> There we go. That's it. I know that sounds strange to say. Yeah. Uh, were you a really bad loser then when you did lose? 
I was a kid, yeah. Uh, but and I still am now. But I now know you can't shout and scream and stamp your feet and hold your breath at 46 years old. But I still at Maidenhead, or you know, I was coaching at Wellington College this morning, and there was a little five-on-five session, and we've left, we've let a soft train. Right? It's now five hours later. I'm 46 years old. <laughs> And it's like, it's still bugging me that we didn't get the right system. And I don't remember actually any of the lads scoring tries. So I don't tend to remember the positives. I'm just, I hate losing. Bugs me. And I replay it in my mind. I replay it in my mind. I don't want it to happen again. And so that was my drive as opposed to those, you know, those people who just love to win. Yeah. I just hate, I hate being told or coming out on the wrong side of the ledger, which is all part of my journey with you guys. I hate that. Yeah. I can't do a handstand. Yeah. Unaided. And I want to do one right now. Yeah. But no one is <laughs> a podcast. Does, um, where do you think, clearly that is something that is like a huge makeup of your, um, your personality and has made you so successful. Um, where, where do you think that's come from? Uh, both my parents are teachers. Uh, and the old school way of teaching was... Uh, now it's all Harkins teaching and the kids become independent thinkers and learners. In the old style of teaching, it was sort of you had the route map to success laid out for you. If it was simultaneous equations, it was finding out how many wives Henry the Eighth had, and he had six, and the whole divorce, beheaded, survive. And, and you, you go through into the periodic table in chemistry. And so, because um, if you've got teachers, the parents who are teachers, you're sure. Always searching for 100%. So what you're trying to do is, is search for the perfect game. The reality is that never really happened. I mean, I know coming each and uh, Torben Dean got perfect 10. I know it does happen in sport, but that perfect perfection is sort of unattainable. But the, the whole point of their teaching style was if you chase perfection, you catch excellence. And so it's always about trying to do everything, all the little things right. I'm not a great... Um, thinker in terms of a strategist I'm not someone who will understand how we will win the war but I can win you a battle mm-hmm. find your way to win today's battle or today's one on one or today's confrontation or find a way to work out how to beat my opponent and I think that's where that mindset has come from and we were both we were, my mum and dad but dad played for England and, and mum Still teaches bridge now at seventy-seven. And he's still trying to play the perfect hand at cards every night. So, are you a perfectionist? And it should have been two clubs. Yeah, don't let it go. But I can't let it go either. So, it's like telling an alcoholic not to drink. Yeah, the Greenwoods are neurotics. So, telling us not to worry is just just a waste of time. You've got a letter to worry about the small detail. I flew back from um, from South Africa on Tuesday night, and I was watching a film on the plane about in search of greatest of the great of greatness. Sorry, and it was it, it, um, interviews with um, Wayne Gretzky and Pele, and they're talking about, about these people. And there's there's always something from their past that that it almost just by chance have made them or had a significant impact on on who they were. Um, 
and one of the big things that they taught us about was freedom to be creative. How do you do you find that you, you, as a player, you were a creative player, yeah. um, but as your as you say, just as somebody touched on them was about the perfectionism and wanting to control everything you can in the detail. How did you balance those two things in terms of making sure that you were creative and, and free to have flair on the pitch, but then also being quite meticulous in your preparation about how you wanted to to, yeah. to win the battle, so to speak. Yeah, so I sort of, I hope I'm not giving mixed messages anywhere. So it's got to be in total control of your basics. You're totally in control of your basics. And actually, in reality, everything has a lot of freedom. And I was perhaps talking incorrectly about it's got to be done this way, got to be done that way. I'm talking about in terms of build up to maths and the maths models or science mm. and history. There's, there's some, if you're totally in control, uh, yeah, there's a really great phrase the more you know, the more you laugh. You know, what's that all about? Like, the more you know and the more you understand about what's going on in the world, the more actually you can have satire and weird and comedy about things that are going on. Otherwise, they're talking about uh, what Boris Johnson's doing in politics at the moment. Mm. And both people, it's flying over their heads if you don't understand uh, what, what, he, what he's doing. Um, so it's that total control of the basics. And then once you've total control of the basics, then reality, if I'm using rugby in this example, rugby is he's a game of chess. You say, what are you talking about? Rugby's a game of chess because there are sort of 16 characters. I know rugby's 15, but chess is 16. There are eight pawns. And after that, there's a pair of castles and a pair of bishops, a queen, a king, and a couple of knights. And they all do slightly different things. It's just like rugby. All sorts of different shapes and different strengths and just go straight forward or can dart on an angle and do all that sort of stuff. So then where my freedom comes from is by being in complete control of my basics and being on top of, top of what I can do under pressure means I can then react to what's happening in front of me and move bits and pieces of chessboard around to get us underneath their post. I love that. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful way to uh, uh, describe, uh, I guess, a game that we all love, but also what makes it beautiful that there's there's not one size fits all for, for yeah. a game like rugby. Well, I also think someone else got... playing against Jacko, right? Yeah, <laughs> here we uh, go. So, but I, was, uh, I saw, I knew he wanted to smash me in the face. He's got a, I don't know. Like I've got, you know, I've got a large nose, large hooter, and I've got like, playing in when we've got relegated for Queens. We've got a scalp on there, and then there's me, who's a bit gobby on the telly, and I'm out there. And I know people are going to come on it for me. But my view on that is actually keep them coming. I've, I've then got to play like a matador. Take the pace off how I'm running at them. Be in control of my feet and my balance. And actually stand right nose to nose with them and say, come on, come on, come smash me. And the second they overcommit and the hips turn, pop the ball up, you know, if they smash me the late hit, I know I'm going to win a pen, but otherwise mm. I know I've put someone else in the hole behind them. And that's, um, that's what I love. It's, you know, there's all sorts of phrases. I love Hollywood phrases. I love because the kids, I do a little bit of teaching, the kids cling on to them. My view is like, the strong take from the weak, right? The smart taking the strong. That's what I've lived my life. There's always the playground bully who can win and beat everyone up, but actually, he's nothing if you understand how they are one trick ponies. Yeah. By the way, I'm not saying Jack has one trick pony. <laughs> well, let's just be clear I never smashed anyone in my entire rugby <laughs> career. <laughs> I only ever got smashed. Well, I think that's a good message, though, because if you apply that to anything, it's, it all comes down to basics. Like Jack and I, we, we talk a lot about skill acquisition from a handstand perspective. We can go back to that and understanding what the basics are in that. Like Jacko's learning um, Italian at the moment. I want to start learning to draw a little bit. And, and we'll start looking. There you go. 
Ciao ragazzi, come stai? A 5 anni a Roma, 1973-78. Oh! Eh, prego, prego, prego. Allora, fate la live. I'm still, um, it's early, early days with my Duolingo app. Not, not I was actually got it because he was learning from uh, a YouTube video that he played in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, <that> was, <laughs> I haven't tried that one yet. Maybe I need to. But the, my point was, apart from sorry, oh, sorry. amazing, also we didn't know that Will Greenwood was a fluent in Italian. Yeah, um, is that it all comes down to basics and, and the importance yeah. of people taking the time to master the basics? Because I think often we want to kind of rush too far ahead, and, and we talk about it in a contest of handstands all the time. People are like kicking up and they, they're falling over all the time. And they say to us, wow, what, "What exercise do I need to do? What, what, am I, what am I doing wrong?" And so many times we're like, "Yeah, you need to go back to basics. Your basics aren't good enough to go and play at the level that you want to play." This is a customer service announcement. Uh, Jacko speaking. And we'd like to tell you about the new free eight-week beginners program now available inside the virtual classroom to help you get started on your calisthenics journey. Jacko, that sounds fun, W dozy. To sign up for free, go to the virtual classroom at schoolofcalisthenics.com. And the problem is the kids now. Uh, and we're, I'm 46 and 47 months a month in the world. Uh, attention span because of social media is about four and a half seconds. Mm. So if you can't do anything within four and a half seconds, you give up. The reality is with handstands or playing an instrument or anything, you've got to do everything away from the bright lights, away from the big stadiums, away from the glory shot, away from the YouTube feed. And you've got to fall and stand up and fall and stand up and go and work out what it is. And you've got to try and you know work out the little things with the handstands, how many people are using their fingers on the floor to grip the floor. You don't assume, you think, what's up to grip the floor? I'm on my hand, but I don't need to grip the floor. But that then mm. moves everything else. And shit. All these little components that go into play. And that was, um, that was the way I played. Uh, it was that this sort of relentless consistency of dullness, of just quantity detail. When you have that relentless consistency, then you have the ability to change when things don't go according to plan. Yeah. yeah. So how has that changed now? We, one of the things we wanted to talk about was what your mindset was like as a player, and that's come that's through, come through really well um, and super clear. And you, it seems that you're still taking that same mindset to your training now. It's just that you're not um, competing at the level that you were previously. So, but you, you still sort of do you still hold yourself to, to the high standards in your own training, or have you relaxed, or do you look at things differently now in terms of how you what's important uh, about your training? I haven't relaxed. I just I can't. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it properly. You turn up at the gym, train hard. Okay, if you're in a, on a rugby field tonight, it may be. Leave the field better than when you got there. And I don't know what I might learn to. But I'm going to go and I'm playing around, running around with lads who are 21 to 28. And a lot of them play a lot more sevens than that. And so there's always something you can learn to so go with an open mindset. But with a mindset that is wanting to be the best version of yourself. And people say, oh God, that's so boring, so intense. That's just the way out. I know I will train properly tonight because I just can't do it any other way. I don't earn my beer. My beer tastes better when you win. Or not <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had, uh, had the pleasure of experiencing what training... Um, or what you are like in the training environment uh, these days. Having we came down, did that session, and um, 
there was a little uh, competition between the, the rugby uh, fraternity oh, against the NFL. Yeah, the, I'm pretty uh, sure we smashed them. Bar hole, eye level. <laughs> we need to, uh, if people haven't seen that video yet, make sure you check it out on the on the YouTube channel. It's worth a watch. Um, but so having, having spent some time with you there and... Um, seeing what you're like in that training environment and then things you talked about around uh, the number of shoulder uh, injuries and surgeries you'd previously had yeah. and maybe looking at training a little bit differently now, is there any things that you would have liked to have known about oh, or oh, done, so what would you have done differently? Um, I'd love to have met you lot when I was 10 years old. I would, I was as good as anesthetics. I mean, what, what? I love... We weren't even born when you were 10 years old. I love the lessons and the... <laughs> It's because I was so skinny and so weird. I got thrust into this professional environment, and they're massive lads, naturally massive lads. Like people may not remember someone like Ben Cole, but oh my god, what an athlete! And you sort of felt if you had the weights on the bar, then don't unload them because I think you're puny. Trying to do what he's doing, <laughs> yeah. and end up hurting yourself. Um, understanding that if you build slowly and have confidence in what it is you're trying to achieve and you set yourself long-term goals. I suppose it's that phrase, don't let the urgent get in the way of the important. What I mean by that is, I felt at the time the urgency to lift, try and power clean 100 kegs. When in reality, I should have been on 40 kegs, then my back would be better now, and now I'd probably do it be 130. Mm. The feeling at the time was, they're doing 100, I better do 100. I couldn't really do 100. It's sort of throwing it up, arms going everywhere, hurting yourself. So I think the control of calisthenics and yoga and gymnastics is, even before I knew what you guys do, people say to me, in the last 10 years, they come up and my kids are quite good, what, 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 what should they be doing? I go gymnastics. And they go, they should be doing body weight, uh, core control, and being totally, uh, all the proprioception, all the tiny little muscles, in complete control, because it's, their physiques are great when everything's going perfect. The problem is I'm getting a rugby, you're going to be fatigued, heart rate's going to be 220, you're going to get your body handles long, and you're going to need to make a tackle. And if you haven't worked on your flexibility and your core strength to open the hips, to flip, to get an inside shoulder on, and that shoulder stay as a unit, as opposed to labouring and scapula going off in different directions, you're going to be on a physio bed, or more importantly, you're going to be in a, under a surgeon's knife, I've been that fixed. So, um, I've had three shoulder reconstructions on each shoulder because I never did anything that you lot do. And, mm. who knows, of course I would have picked up some injuries, but, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's one thing that I never did that I wish I had. I mean, I missed five years of rugby. Through? Through injuries. Yeah. I mean, the, the really arrogant thing to say is, how good could I be? Mm. And go, well, that's a bit, you did what you did. I said, yeah, but I scratched the surface. I could have, I could have been, could have been so much better than I was. And, I, and it's because I was lazy at the stuff that I didn't think was important. Yeah, it's wow. interesting because we spoke to um, we did a workshop with Scottish rugby um, recently, um, and they were having the same sort of conversation around getting away from what what numbers they can put on the bar and more around the physical literacy. What can you do? Show me what you can do rather than yeah. what you can lift. Because if you've got someone who can do a lot of stuff and you have a movement literacy, it's easy to get people strong. Strong is a strong. Well, getting strength on somebody is is really simple. You've got to 
train consistently and progressively overload but to teach someone to move well and like the stuff that you've mentioned about learning to control your shoulders and you can you can get in difficult positions and especially in a game of rugby where you've got quite a lot of chaos that's a nuts and bolts of being an effective player I think I think but a lot of that now comes down to teaching the coaches and that that's, this isn't just sport though. a lot of people say oh, I can't do maths can't, I can't do maths I don't buy it you can't do maths everyone can do maths maths is just a jigsaw puzzle can you do a jigsaw puzzle it's a question I say uh, everyone can do a jigsaw puzzle right? everyone as a kid did jigsaw puzzles if you can do a jigsaw puzzle you can do maths Does that what you know? jigsaw puzzle is about getting straight lines on the outside corners in the top corner colours matching up together little bits and pieces understanding that that's got two prongs going off so that's got to find a hole on that side that's all maths is. It's a collection of building blocks. The language you're learning is Italian. It's a collection of building blocks that, that go in. The instrument you convince you can't play is actually just a set of scales that you then mm. put together at high speed. But unless you understand what those scales are at their very basis, you can't do it. And I think uh, that's why I like a lot of the way teaching is shifted now to, to the mental health, to the pastoral care, to allowing kids to be who they are and understanding some learn at different rates, and just because they can't do triple salco after a week doesn't mean they can't be an international superstar in five years' time. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And comes, yeah, it comes back around to uh, nailing those basics, like you said before. And I, I do love what you said about from a mindset perspective where we've felt it so much with our own um, training and we'll, we'll come on to yours now around, you know, it all felt impossible. Everything we do now all felt impossible. And then there's other things that still feel impossible, but we know we don't say to ourselves like that example there, I can't do maths. So we don't say to ourselves, I can't do it. I might not be able to do the thing that I want to do, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to in the future because I've taught myself the most important value that there is a process. I just need to make sure I'm following the right process and just then yeah. getting the basics right, being consistent and, and then trusting in that process and believing that it, I can do that thing. Got, we've got to believe it before um, it's going to happen. And if we tell ourselves we can't, we're never going to do it, it's always going to stay impossible. Yeah. And I know that, you know, one of the things that you've wanted to, you're quite desperate um, to nail is your handstand. Um, we, kept, we, we gave you a few little hints and tips and things on that. Obviously with all those shoulder surgeries to deal with uh, from your rugby career, you, um, there's, uh, you're not starting in the perfect place like nobody is but probably from a more difficult place than many. What is the, my first question about you wanting to learn to handstand, like wh why, why are you so sort of dedicated on, on that? What, what's the, what's the why behind your handstand? The why behind the handstand is I know that if I do a handstand, actually I've got core control and shoulder control and all other different parts of my body. So the handstand is the end product of discipline to be able to be, functionally active as I approach a half century old. I know if I can do a handstand and support my body weight on my hand and stay up there, then my shoulder stability is good. Uh, my wrist strength is strong. Uh, my core stability to maybe buy me a little bit of time if I go up a little bit too quick. And then with it, the use of my legs are all in tandem. So look, I know you guys will describe that whole shoulder, that whole handstand process a lot better than that. That's sort of how I see it. I see the handstand as the result of a, a collective group of muscles uh, working together to allow me to do something that I know has a high tariff rating 
but it's not just because I want to do a handstand in budgie smugglers. You know, it's not about that. It's not wanting just to get a photo for Instagram to do a handstand. Yeah, it's not just for your Insta. <laughs> it's, it's, how, long has, how long has that been your thought? Like, when did that thought process start? Because it, it's very similar to... The North Tim's Pole last year. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, at the North Pole when um, they called me the Tent Rhino. Um, because... You know, at the end the of tent the day, walking, you get the tent up, it's minus 50. You get inside and there are two or three people in, in tents. You should, the two-man tents that you'd all cook together. So whilst we had five tents up, we'd actually only we'd get everyone into three tents. It was sociable at the end of the day, so you weren't feeling lonely after a tough day. And you're all cooking and eating well and the warmth and, and you're tight and you're in it. And I would get in the tent and I'd sort of get in the tent, knock the snow everywhere. And if you get snow in the tent, I'll probably die. So I wasn't that popular to start with, dragging all the snow. I couldn't bend over. It was like a sort of uh, a white orc from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> they get into uh, a tiny little doll's house. Just things crashing around. And then when they were all sat up in the sort of lotus position, I had to lie down, totally on my back, and almost be dripped then because I couldn't sit up because my back was in such pain. But I suddenly realised, man, I can still throw a better right-handed spin pass than most people who play at that World Cup. I still, I can still do that. But I get the bejesus kicked out of me and I also can't put a sock on without sitting down. And I don't have another bloke, my, or women have that feeling where you get into surgery. You know, you didn't even think about putting socks on when you were a kid. I can now sit down sometimes to put a sock on. And I just thought, no, 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 something's wrong here. My training's wrong. I'm doing things wrong that are, that are, that are great for wearing a vest, but rubbish for life. Mm-hmm. So I've flipped all my training around and uh, I lift much lighter uh, uh, with more relevance. I really enjoy my CrossFit. I scale the weights. I don't try and keep up. Um, with um, Matt Fraser or people like that uh, and, and with it I feel much stronger and fitter and healthier and then in the back of some games there I thought well, why don't I look after my diet so it's all these things that have then come into play and if I didn't start with the idea that I'm a tent rhino and I need to get more flexibility I wouldn't maybe have ended up I didn't start with that thinking with a handstand I thought I started yeah. I just want to be healthier yeah maybe better. my old age then along the way, I kept learning and watching and looking. One of the things that caught my attention two months after that was your flags. And I thought, okay, don't want to say that's impossible for me because I know that's not the language you use. Yeah. But what do I do that I can do? And I thought, you know what, maybe a handstand. Because the handstand basically is two-thirds of the way to a flag. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. You can't do a handstand, you can't do a flag. So my target is, I'm not saying I can't do a flag, but I am saying I can do a handstand. So yeah. once I get the handstand, then who knows what. Yeah, hand- I'm not going to join Cirque du Soleil, you know, I'm not going to get that. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's part of a health and well-being rather than a lovely photo. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, you're dead right that the flag will be a lot easier if you've earned that right to be stable overhead in your handstand, for sure. Then it's just a matter of putting some strength in a specific position. But I've got a question where you're still playing, obviously, um, you say playing down at Maidenhead. How is, um, 
your sort of ability to, to share what you've learned about your body, are, you, are the guys around you open to influence? Because that's the one thing that we're realizing. I mean, Jacko, by approaching on 40, um, and it's, you start to think about these things a little bit more uh, in perspective of what I want to be able to do when I'm 60 or 70 years old. Um, when you're 18, 19, 20 on your rugby journey, and you actually just want to bench press because there's a, you've got huge dudes either side of you, is it is it a mentality shift? Is it do you think is it is it just a are we in a better place because there's more exposure that people are going to get to this stuff? Are we still fighting that people just want to put a load of weight on a bench press and yeah. bang out uh, a ton of weight? There, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of lads who don't want to train, and so at a junior club, which is amateur, um, it's difficult to maybe the wrong choice of word. Difficult. It's a challenge to get everyone to buy into living holistically and like a Tibetan monk, like a twenty. Mm. Division five players. They're not getting paid. They like to go out in the town. They like a kebab, and they don't particularly want to flog themselves four days a week because they don't see what the end goal is. But what you can do is you can influence a couple of the senior leaders. They come from the same boys, and there's this old bloke and stuff. He talks about that World Cup one more time and smash him in the face. You don't talk about that sort of stuff. You, you, you set an example, and you hope two or three will follow. And, we over the course of four or five years, people say we're still in Division Five. I would say it is a completely different mindset at that club to five years ago. We might only be two divisions above where we were, but now it is a great centre of learning and betterment, and that then feeds into the rest of their life. And the lads are doing well off pitch as well as on the pitch. So, mm. um, I think if you wanted that instant impact, you wouldn't go to an amateur level rugby club. It would drive you insane. My wife is mad. But I see lads who want to be better. And if I can help one of them, I'm not trying to be Mother Teresa here, if I can help one of them be better, that's what I like doing. It, it maybe it comes from mum and dad, the teachers, and I've gravitated back towards helping and teaching. Uh, you know, you can't see on here, I'm doing the illustrated fiction of, of uh, can't see it at maths, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm trying to help and help tutor a couple of kids who thought they might get a five and they got a six, thought they might get a six and get a seven. In the grand scheme of their life, 10 years, 15 years down the line, that might not mean it, but in the short term, that's that's what I love being involved in school of art. And I think that as a, not an obligation because of the people I've worked with, the people I've learned from, it's just my mindset is if you find people who want to be better, it is a responsibility for those who have the knowledge, not font knowledge, but have a little bit of knowledge. It is the responsibility of those with knowledge to make sure that's passed down. Mm. Well, I will, I will look to you uh, for tutoring my Italian uh, <laughs> then. <laughs> um, but on the most... Fair words in five minutes. <laughs> we don't want the quick wins we want the basics um, but on, on a more serious note for for helping uh, the listeners people there'll be you know a large portion of the listeners will be um, played a, a sport previously uh, they're going to be of a similar uh, age range demographic that are probably managing um, some old injuries and things as well probably not six shoulder operations like yourself but um, what advice would you have for someone if they 
are on this you know let's take the whether it is a handstand or not is doesn't necessarily matter but in terms of their approach to their training from from everything that you've done from winning winning the rugby world cup to you know this the, yeah. the, everything that you're doing now where what advice would you give someone on that sort of on that journey go have a training buddy go our pals around so i like crossfit and people are listening going, oh, you're like you look at you crossfit and you're all smashing these numbers out it's like no you don't see who i'm training with I trained with, uh, with Jane, with Raph, with Lee, Gary, with Neil, uh, the whole host of other girls, Kate, uh, one's a paramedic, uh, kind of accountants, one who works with three in Maidenhead, one who works with O2 in Slough. Um, and there's no judgment in our, in our gym. And it's just because Lee can smash a muscle up doesn't mean Lee doesn't train with Kate, you know, and they just get each other through it. And I think finding a location, finding a place, everyone assumes that Jim just did in the 1970s. There was a lot of steroids around. Everyone's just judging everyone. Everyone just wanted to lick heavy, throw tin around and make sort of orgasm noises when they do a deep squat. Uh, it, you know, it's just, of course, there are still places like that. And that is the fear for a lot of people. But I am saying to you, whatever your local gym is, go join it. Because there are people who were in your position who've come through it. And it's not about being a bloody Adonis and being the next Heidi Klum. It's actually just feeling a little bit better about yourself. Releasing endorphins. It's the best antidepressant in, in, on the planet. Mm. And you have to be sociable with people that you might not ever cross paths with so I think the whole gym culture is has been misrepresented for a long time and I think the ability to go and find like-minded people who will support you on your journey whether it be you just want to run a 3k with your daughter or you want to run an ultra marathon there are places ready to welcome you with open arms and to help you on your journey yeah, it's one of the things that we've loved about calisthenics in that if you're if you are in the gym or you're in the park or you're somewhere trying to do a handstand or whatever it is and there's someone else that is also thinking like that, you you naturally gravitate towards each other and as you say, encourage each other, share ideas and it it's something that happens very or we found has happened very naturally and organically yeah. um, and has just continued to grow and you know, the, the likes of social media is allowing people, you know, yeah. across the globe to I'm connect. Totally. I mean, the two lads yeah. at the moment, uh, Jane as well, but Raf and Lee are the two lads in my, and I mean, people say, who are your, who are your training inspiration at the moment? You know, who you, who you, I say, no one I'm going to tell you. I'm just trying to keep up with two young lads. Um, yeah. uh, they don't take the mickey out of me for being slightly old and taking a rest when I shouldn't take a rest just for five seconds to buy myself time to then try and keep up with them. So uh, you find your inspiration anywhere and it tends to be on your doorstep, uh, not on the front of GQ magazine. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. We had, um, we couldn't get you on, Will, and not talk rugby. Both Jack and I are big rugby fans and um, Jacko's, I don't know if you know Jacko's actually is Welsh. So he's currently sitting with a 
number one ranked world or team in the world yeah um, with expectation of going into the world cup yeah um i think I'm, I'm super excited for this one because it's going to be the most hotly contested world cup that i think i can remember there's probably yeah. six teams i think that could probably win it um on their on their day what are your what are your sort of if you were to, if you're a betting man i don't know if you are but what would you uh what's your top picks um I think so. What are we now? August twenty ninth. It's a Thursday. We just battered Ireland, fifty seven fifteen last week. So occasionally can be a little bit knee jerk reaction. But I currently go four semi finals: New Zealand, South Africa, and the North. I think New Zealand, South Africa come out of their pool, and they will be pulled twinned with Ireland, Scotland, Japan. But two of those three will get out. Why am I mentioning Japan? Because they could create an upset in their home World Cup and turn over Ireland or Scotland. Um, yeah. The reality is Ireland Scotland favourites to get out of that group, but whoever gets out of that group, numbers one or two in that pool, will have to play New Zealand or South Africa. And I just think those sides are too powerful for the combinations that would come from that. So two semi-finalists, New Zealand and South Africa. Then you look to the other two pools, and England are in the group with France and Argentina, USA and Tonga as well, but Going to talk about sort of tier one nations where I think we'll get out. So England, France, or Argentina will get out and we'll play either Wales, Argentina, uh, Wales, Australia, or Fiji. So let's assume Fiji don't have an amazing tournament like they did in, say, 2007. Let's assume Wales and Australia get out of their pool. Let's give Wales top of the pile, Australia come out second. I've got to feel that England win their pool, France and Argentina. Uh, Argentina are a big tournament player, so France, I think France. England, France come out of that pool. Mm-hmm. Second, England first, France second. So now I've got England playing Australia, Wales playing France. Wales have got to beat France and they'll get their own back for 2011 semi-final. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to back England all day to beat Australia in that. So on the back of that, I've sort of given you four countries, but hopefully I've also justified why mm. I think it's those four countries that will get England, Wales semi-final England, then. New Zealand, and then on the back of that, England would play New Zealand, South Africa would play Wales. Whoa, now you've got the semi-final. And three weeks ago, before any games happened, I had New Zealand playing Wales to the final. I could now very easily see South Africa playing England. I mean, once I'll stick my nose out enough at the moment, I think the four semi-finals, NZ, SA, Wales, England. A winner, if you want value, if you want value, and I see South Africa, I think they're trading about seven to one. I think mm. their value at seven to one. They're just massive blokes who are fast, quick. They've got a new, really simple system that allows them to play to their strengths. I'm, I'm married to a South African, so if we get an England-South Africa final, that's going to be tense. It's going to be chaos in your house. <laughs> I celebrated when Japan beat them last time and got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they did beat them, and Japan won three games in the pool yeah. state last time. Still didn't win the bloody thing. Just <laughs> if you had to pick so an outsider... didn't get out of the pool. Just looking at the odds uh, in the World Cup, actually, whilst I'm here, so people... Uh, outright winner... So South Africa are really short. They're just above a four to one. England are four to one. Ireland are nine to one. Wales are ten to one. We've got what Ireland. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you, you see, bookies don't tend to be wrong, do they? Yeah. Who would who would be your? You mentioned Japan. Would they be your? If you had to pick like a, an outsider, like a genuine outsider, outsider, 
would it be them? Um, I, I like Fiji. Turned over France in the autumn. Um, Georgia, um, a lethal because they're just massive fellas. Just huge dudes. Do you think there'll be some upsets in the pool games? I think. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in New Zealand. I mean, poor on Namibia, but New Zealand and South Africa in one group, like. Yeah. But, um, do I think there'll be some upsets? There, there are. They're increasingly more so. Uh, the rugby world is becoming increasingly competitive. Um, so Fiji could turn over Wales or Australia. Yeah. No doubt, England might not get out of their pool. I've got, yeah. I've got to win it. They could lose to France and Argentina. That's not an inconceivable yeah. thought. Um, you can't really think anything else than New Zealand and South Africa. Um, so, and then Ireland and Scotland have Japan in their group, and no question Japan could get out of that group. Yeah. It's exciting. I can't wait for it I to know. start. I know. It's Gone are the days great. of it being like, yeah, just easy to predict who was going to be like 50 points. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Will Greenwood, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing uh, your wisdom and your passion on all things, well, training, calisthenics, mindset, and also the Rugby World Cup. I'm sure a few people are going to make a couple of bob off uh, some outside bets on uh, on that. If uh, Georgia. <laughs> if you have enjoyed the podcast, Will would really love it if you would uh, hop onto iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast and give us a, a nice five-star review, wouldn't you, Will? Yeah, actually, rate, review, subscribe, all the usual stuff on all the usual podcast channels. I've been Will Greenwood. This has been School of Common Sense. Go get them, kids. You've got nothing else to say that, Jack, have you? That's yeah. it. Until, Until next week. Say layers, boys. <laughs> Class dismissed. That's what you're supposed oh, to say. Oh, is that now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All that chat about being a teacher. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah I'm talking about a century teacher. Class dismissed is so 19th century. <laughs> We work, we work together. We learn together. You liked the old. You said you liked the old school teaching. So what is it now? Get them, go get them, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ladies, lads, and girls. Hip, See you later. Hop, a hip to the hippity, 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 hop. Go get them. I hope you thought Be- that was a sick lesson. <laughs> Be cool. On it, like a car bonnet. <laughs> Can you just say what do you call? Okay, oh, oh, always, always say what do you call two Spanish firemen? Jose and Jose B. Yeah, baby. Yeah, hey, prego, prego, tutto. <laughs> just saying, I think this is the new sign-off. This no. is the new, we're, we're getting rid of class dismissed. Please Keep just, this in, Harvey. Please just say class dismissed so we can all... Class dismissed. <laughs>